From VT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, the University of Vermont and several other colleges around the state are bringing students back to school. While communities worry about containing COVID-19 around campuses, the state health department says it's prepared for whatever the fall may bring. Opening up my test kit. Our summer intern Sawyer Loftus is getting ready to return to UVM. This week, he took the first of what will be several COVID tests required by the university. Okay, open your test package and enter the kit ID. You got tested. How was it? Um, it was really kind of bizarre. Okay, and now I have to enter the tracking number on the return. First, the packaging is really interesting. It, it comes in this really small, square, bubble-wrapped package that's really, like, you don't even know it's from a health company. It kind of looks like any other package you'd get, like, off of Amazon, except for in the back, it, like, it says where it's from, Vault. And then inside is this little square box that I can't show you because it's already in this giant laboratory bag that I had to seal on camera. And now I am in the the testing waiting room just waiting and so then i like had to wait for like 10 15 minutes while my zoom was just kind of open waiting and then this woman appeared on the screen hey there Hello. how are you good how are you and i was like okay we're gonna we're gonna do this test now so we can get started can i get your phone number please it felt like forever because it was just me and her kind of sitting like you and i are now on zoom and just her watching me spit into a tube so your job is to spit in that tube and it needs to reach that black line okay it can't be the bubbly spit it has to be like real liquid spit she's walking you through this she's telling you exactly what they need yep you're not allowed to eat drink or chew anything for 30 minutes beforehand i'm assuming that would compromise your spit yep getting there and that was that was that and then sealed it up in front of her and now i just drop it off and that's it all you do is drop it off now all right great hmm. what are you thinking as you go through this process <laughs> it was um it was really weird i just like i kept feeling bad like i'm wasting her time trying to like spit in this tube as she's just sitting there watching me because it's also like, you yeah, can't... it's not something you do every day is try to spit into a tube. <laughs> no. And it's not like you can really talk either. Cause like you have to focus on the task of spitting in the tube. And so, I mean, even then there's no chance for that. No. And I just like, I kept apologizing and being like, I'm sorry, it's taking so long. And she's like, it's okay. Like you're pretty average in terms of time. There's some people that I guess did it really quickly and some people that I took forever to do. Um, and her job is just to sit there and make sure you do it. So why do you have to do this in the first place? If I understand correctly, it's part of the like phased reopening plan for UVM and it's meant to be like a screening. So it's meant to kind of screen and make sure that there, if there are any positive results, that those folks who are positive, like stay home longer before they come to campus. Got it. So this is sort of the initial wave of testing before everybody comes back to Burlington. Yep. And then on the 24th, according to the most recent newsletter that the university sent out this morning, the full like in-person testing 
is going to be in full swing. So next week I go and do my, it's called the day zero test, and then I'll do it again in a week. And then how often are you going to be tested after that as classes get going? Just once a week. And then that goes until like mid-September. And then they have said that they're going to reevaluate and see if that means we're going to have more testing. Like, do we need to do more testing or do we need to do any testing at all or keep the course? So I guess we'll see. Sawyer is one of about 12,000 students expected to return to Burlington in the coming days. And all of them are expected to follow that same protocol. A preliminary saliva test by Vault Health, then a weekly nose swab test that's being processed by the Broad Institute in Massachusetts. That's about 11 to 12,000 tests a week. Think about it this way. That's more from one campus than the Vermont Department of Health processes in a typical week for the entire state which means Vermont is about to enter into a phase of COVID testing on a completely different scale than it's seen so far. And the health department is looking closely at what that means. As we're looking ahead to schools going back in session, college students returning to the area, we really want to be sure that we are going to have enough supplies on hand to handle any kind of outbreak situations or things like that. This is Kelly Doherty. No relation. She's the deputy commissioner of the health department, working on testing strategy. She said the state is ready to respond to outbreaks, as they have been all summer. But there is a risk that colleges and schools could strain the system. In the beginning, we were really focused on wanting to make testing widely available, partly so that we could really get a sense of what our positivity rate in Vermont is and how widespread COVID was in Vermont. And we've We've achieved that. And looking ahead again to potential disruptions in the supply chain, not only as we in Vermont go back to school and university, but across the country in places where things maybe aren't going so well, we know and we have seen in this response that sometimes Vermont is not a priority for receipt of supplies. Kelly said right now the department is emphasizing that people who don't need to get tested shouldn't get tested. The message that we want to get across is you shouldn't be tested just because you're curious. If you have not had contact with someone who's positive, you know, if you haven't been exposed and you have no symptoms and you have no reason to believe that you've been exposed, then testing may not be the best thing for you. And what's what's the risk there for somebody to get tested when they might not necessarily need to be tested? What's the downside? Yeah, that's a good question. The downside is um, it may provide a false sense of security. And what we don't want is for people to say, oh, I'm negative, so I don't need to wear my face covering. I don't need to um, be as careful uh, because I know I'm not going to infect anyone around me. But that could, in fact, make someone uh, susceptible themselves and also uh, could put others at risk. And also, it isn't a wise use of our supplies. So as we look to, again, wanting to make sure that we are ready to respond to outbreaks with testing, and we want to make sure we have all the supplies that we need. I asked Kelly whether the health department was concerned that so many more COVID tests would be taking place outside of their purview. She said they're actually glad this is happening. It lets the health department focus on specific outbreaks in places like prisons and long-term care homes and on running their own pop-up testing sites. We want testing to be happening 
in as many places as possible. Hospitals are doing testing prior to certain medical procedures and for their staff and also for people who are referred by their primary care provider to a hospital-based testing site. We would like primary care providers and federally qualified health centers to do the testing for people wanting to get out of quarantine. And actually, just yesterday, we sent out a health alert message to providers across the state, letting them know that they can now starting Monday, order nasal swab kits from the health department so that they can start doing more testing in their offices because we know that supplies was one barrier to that. The health department cannot meet the demand for testing on its own. We need primary care providers, federally qualified health centers and hospitals to do a lot of that testing because we just simply do not have the capacity to do it all on our own. The capacity issue makes sense. I I wonder about how, for example, with the uh, situation in Manchester last month, we saw it put the health department in kind of an awkward situation where the accuracy of those tests was somewhat in question. And Mm -hmm. so the messaging to the public and particularly in that community seemed to get a little bit confusing. And I wonder how do you avoid that that similar kind of situation in the future with more yeah. testing happening outside the health department's jurisdiction? Great point. Actually, another health alert is supposed to go out tomorrow, I believe. It's under review right now, where we are going to really spell out the different types of tests that are available out there and when they should be used and when they shouldn't be used. And the Manchester medical situation was a good example where they're using, they were using a test that is really, per the manufacturer and the FDA, should only be used in symptomatic patients within their first five days of symptoms and also in higher prevalence areas, so where you have much more disease in the community. So that was not the case in Manchester, and so it did cause a bit of confusion. It seemed like a, a big question there was kind of on the reporting end too. Mm-hmm. You know, people are looking so closely at these daily numbers that are reported by the health department. And I think that it seemed like that was sort of a, a point of confusion. And I wonder with a, an institution like UVM coming back and conducting all these tests, if there were, say, a rash of positive tests from the company that they are contracting with mm-hmm. out there, do we know yet exactly how that will be both handled by the health department and message to the public? So COVID is a reportable disease. So um, any provider and laboratory that has a positive test has to report it to the health department. So, and we will know, we have an electronic relationship with the testing facility that they're using. And so the health department will be aware of the testing that they're doing and the positives that come in. So they would be counted. One question that's come up that has not yet been resolved is, you know, we typically only report Vermont residents. And so for college students, for the purposes of our reporting, will we include them as Vermont residents in our count? And that's a question that just came up this week. And so um, we do have out-of-state counts on our dashboard as well. So they'll be counted. We just don't know in which category. Got it. You mentioned that in terms of the kind of public message that the priorities are changing in terms of really trying to emphasize to people when they might need a test and when they don't. I wonder, is there also a procedural change coming down the pike in the next few months? months? We're not talking about that right now. Um, No, the I mean, and I don't we I don't think we would turn anyone away. We're not looking to at this point 
there haven't been conversations about restricting our testing. I think the only thing that we are looking ahead toward is as again, we prepare for schools and colleges to return that our regular pop-up testing schedule might get disrupted if we find ourselves with several outbreaks on our hands. We have had to do that to a, some extent, a very small extent here and there when you know situations have arisen and we've had to like on the fly change our schedule because we just didn't have the capacity to do all the testing that was needing to be done. But in the absence of that, we have not talked about changing our testing strategy anytime in the near future. Got it. It sounds like there's a lot of you know, active planning for the contingency of what would happen if there were multiple outbreaks. Is there a sense of how likely that might be with with Um, things on the horizon? You know, I, I don't know if we know, you know, sort of the probability, how likely we know there will be outbreaks. And so what we're doing right now is in different aspects of our response, we are doing some surge planning So our laboratory, the public health lab, just did sort of like a little exercise to sort of play out if there were, you know, we had a scenario where there were multiple outbreaks at colleges and how we would handle all of the specimens from a laboratory perspective. We're doing um, a same sort of exercise on the testing side. So how much of a surge could we handle with our current sort of staffing on the ground to collect the specimens and all of that? And then also for case contact tracing. We, ha- we are training up additional contact tracers now in the event that we have a surge, we can immediately pull them in. We're also training additional people for our main call center because anytime things happen, you know, we get a surge in calls. So we are exercising and planning in a variety of areas for a potential surge. Hopefully we won't need it. (laughs) Hopefully, you know, we will have minimal outbreaks and not every situation will turn into an outbreak. So ideally we will identify cases early and do all the contact tracing that we need to do and make sure that people are, you know, isolating and quarantining as appropriate to limit the spread. Got it. I know this is uh, wildly oversimplifying, but as you look at this surge planning process, uh, are we ready for the fall as a state? I think we are. I think that we are in good shape and Vermont has really done a good job sort of looking ahead all along. You know, we um, have been exercising different scenarios throughout this response. And I think that we've had a lot of people who, well, we definitely have had a lot of people who have been thinking about return to school for quite a while. I know that it's most, you know, just on most people's mind just recently with the school guidance that came out and then the revised guidance that came out. But you know, we've been planning for this for a while, just assume, even though we weren't sure what was going to happen with schools, we wanted to make sure that we were prepared. So we started talking about this months ago so that we could be sure that we're ready. And I, I think that we are, we are ready, you know, up to the limits of the capacity of the system nationwide. Got it. Back in Burlington, Sawyer Loftus is waiting for the results of his saliva test. I should mention that Sawyer is also the editor of the Vermont Cynic, the UVM student newspaper. So I asked him what he's been hearing from people close to campus. 
you're kind of seeing this from a lot of different sides here. I'm curious, just what's the general vibe right now, kind of on the cusp of people coming back and gearing up for a lot of testing, but also a lot of in-person education? What's the mood in the area right now? It's definitely really tense. I I think there's a lot of conflict, and I think we've seen that in a lot of the reporting that's been coming out, both from VT Digger and other places, between they're, they're referred to as the permanent residents of Burlington and the student population. And so I think that that's like a really big thing that's going on right now. And obviously the city council at the very least is upset and grilled UVM officials last week at the city council meeting about the reopening plan and the gaps that they saw in it and like what they were hearing from their constituents. And a lot of it is just like fear and alarm and anxiety. And then additionally, there is a pocket of students on camp uh, that are returning to campus in some extent. Um, There's a student group called the Union of Students, which is in university speak, they're not recognized by the university. So they're not like an official club, but they are kind of like trying to be this counter organization to the student government. They have definitely been like on the front lines of like, this is a terrible idea. Uh, We should not be coming back to campus. It shouldn't even be an option, even going so far as to post on Instagram saying that the university's plan is going to kill people, Um, which is like a pretty, that's a perspective for sure. Um, I don't think it's like the majority perspective of students on campus, just from like my own networks. We all feel uneasy about it, but like, is kind of a question of like, well, what choice do we have? Um, Like I am going into my senior year. So the question for me was, well, am I going to be able to do all the, take all the classes that I needed to take this semester to make sure I'm on track to graduate? And I think that that was a really big concern, but I think with the right safety measures, it'll be stressful, but I think it'll be okay. Like I think Vermont is in a really unique situation compared to the rest of the country, but There are definitely concerns, for sure. On Thursday, the Burlington City Council passed an emergency order that limits indoor residential gatherings to 10 people and outdoor gatherings to 25. It also bans alcohol sales in bars and restaurants after 11 p.m. UVM students, at least the ones who have passed their saliva tests, are arriving back on campus now. You can read more about UVM's reopening plans at vtdigger.org and find all of our COVID-19 coverage at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. Sawyer Loftus is finishing up his internship at VT Digger, but you can read more from his team this semester at vtcynic.com. If you're not sure whether to get a COVID test, the health department recommends using the CDC's self-checker tool. You can find a link on their website, healthvermont.gov, or just Google CDC self-checker. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger Newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. See you then.